Kia ora, I'm Georgia. I'm Catherine. And I'm Molly. And you're listening to... Pimpod! Everyone and welcome to the twenty-fourth episode of Parent Pod. Can you guys believe we're on twenty-four? Where no, has I this can't. year gone? I don't know. No I would idea. like to know that as well. It's a bit scary. I feel like it's just flying yeah, it's by. Quite frightening. Yeah, it is. It's going so fast. I think maybe like off the back of COVID as well. We had like two dud years. Then this one's yeah. just going even quicker. Do you remember when you were younger and old people would be like, oh my God, the year's flying by and you'd be like, is it? Is it really? Yeah. But now that you're older, it actually does fly by. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Being a child and like the two week holidays were felt like forever. Like they felt yeah. like they went on forever. And the <sighs> six week holidays, God, it was just like felt like months and months. Yeah, that did feel like ages. You'd be like, I wonder if I'm going to like recognise my friends when I go back to school. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, so Catherine, true. you look very tanned. Um, I did uh, put a tan on yesterday. Oh, you look great. Wow. You oh, have, thanks. That's great that you have time to do that. Well, I actually, it's just my like face and like neck and chest I, I got a bon so I just never have time to do anything like that but then I got mm. I think it's Bondi Sands and it's an overnight mask oh. so you just put oh, it yeah. on it's like it just feels like a moisturiser and you just put it on before you go to bed and then when you mm. wake up in the morning it's like a glowy tan amazing nice. yeah. yeah so I just put it on before I go to bed huh. it's great you don't have to do the nice. whole like exfoliating and mitt and all of that jazz yeah Oh, that's really mm. good. I got a tan, actually, when I went back for my friend's weddings. Um, as a bridesmaid, we all got a spray tan. And I forgot how gross it is in the days mm. following it if you don't exfoliate quickly. Yes, and it, like, yeah. goes all patchy. and Oh, my God, the scales. Yeah. Like, if your skin's dry, you get, like, full-on scales over your body, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. Same sister does. She's got, like, a um, one of those sun-kissed tan, like, concession card thing so they pay a certain amount of money uh, monthly and they can have unlimited tans so pretty much she's always Uh. got like so she goes to like a tanning booth all the time yeah wow i guess the Mm. thing is as well like once you start doing something like that you can't stop no no because then like everyone looks better with a tan don't they really absolutely so when you stop you'd think you constantly were ill (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you can't do it when you're breastfeeding though really can you because the baby ends up getting it on them yeah no I had to um when I went and got a spray tan when I was breastfeeding I had to like put two kind of like mitt things over my boobs while they sprayed me because I didn't want any on my boobs oh uh, yeah. yeah oh really it's just like a quick way to make you feel better isn't it definitely you yeah. feel so much skinnier mm. yeah you do yeah you do it's true so how are you guys going this week I I'll just go straight into what I was gonna say um so today I literally witnessed the like the worst worst meltdown that Mila has ever done in her life like ever 
Oh no! Oh. What Honestly, happened? well, we um. Oh, we're going with Daddy. He's out there. Sorry, we were um, on our way to swimming. So she does her swimming lessons on a Monday, and um, we pulled up, and I parked in the spot she didn't want me to park in. Um, <laughs> she, she wanted me to park in the one next door to the spot I parked in because she said, oh, look, I see two free spaces. So I just pulled in and she said, I wanted to go in the next one. I said, I'm not reversing the car out to park in the next spot. Like, I'm just not doing it. Um, and... So she just like lost the plot, like absolutely lost the plot. And I kind of just got her out of the car because I, I started getting organized to go to swimming. I Like I got the pram out, put Layla in, got all the stuff out and she was just losing it. Took her out. She started screaming. She was hitting me, kicking me, spitting in my face and like <gasps> high, like the loudest screams you would ever hear, honestly. And I tried, and she was also like, you know how they like thrash about and you can't oh, hold yeah. them? Yeah. So I put her down and she tried running off. This is in a car park. And I was just like, oh my fucking God. Like, oh my God. I was already feeling hot and sweaty. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I, I got her, got her and then tried crossing the road to get into swimming. And she was just doing all of this and as I was crossing over the crossing, right, this guy in his car, like, winds his window down and says to, calls out of his car to us or to her, Mila, saying, you need to stop being a naughty girl for your mum. And uh, I was, I just, what? I honestly just, like, death stared him. I was like, what the hell? Like, so weird. So inappropriate. Anyway. So yeah, inappropriate. And like anyway, Mila's she didn't be like, "Oh, okay, oh, yeah. yeah, sorry, mum. Okay, yeah. random. Oh my gosh. Sorry, you think I'm naughty? I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, random guy. I'll I'll behave. Um, got her inside of the swimming pool, and she was just screaming, like honestly screaming the place oh. down. Um, and like someone, one of the workers, like in the changing room actually came in to see what was happening and she she was just screaming at me that she wanted to go home so I was like this I'm not even gonna bother I'm just gonna take her home and um she didn't stop like (laughs) it was this was I think it lasted about 35 40 minutes maybe wow yeah like in like just really crazy um got her in the car got home and she was yeah still crying and she ended up stopping but um all because i didn't park in the spot oh my goodness that she wanted me to park in so yeah gosh marley how dare you (laughs) yeah how dare i i got to the point where like i almost wanted to cry because i was just like what do you do it's so hard in those situations to like keep your cool because obviously i was just like i was just so patient and i was just kept saying to her you know like we're going swimming we're not going home and i was just like oh my god this is i really just wanted to scream back at her and be like can you just just like shut up (laughs) Yeah, especially when but, you're somewhere that's a bit dangerous. I find that really stressful, like a car park, because you think, oh, they're so yeah. unpredictable, aren't they, when they're yeah. having a tantrum? I feel like I'm going to have to 
do like keep going with that big little feelings course because I like I just really want some like strategies oh Molly so you doing the big little feelings course at the moment well I'm like a quarter of the way through it but I think I need to go back to the start and just do Mm -hmm. the whole thing yeah we've we said the other day because we're going through a bit of a patch at the moment too we've said we need to go back and do it again because I we did it about a year ago and I think we need a refresher I just need strategies of what to say in those situations that could potentially help diffuse the thing because it's really easy to be like I'm so angry at you and I I admit I did say we got back to the car and like I managed to buckle her in with her like flipping about and I just said I'm so cross at you right now and she she just like obviously it didn't help but it's such a hard one because it's like it's you know some people can say that's not the right thing to say but sometimes mm. they also need to know that you can't act like that when it is you know, oh, yeah. a car park when it's dangerous that's yeah that's the thing and I know like I don't know what set her off but like you know we we got back to the car and we got in in the car and she started crying and asking for a cuddle so like I don't know she must have oh, who knows but I was like, I'm not cuddling you right now. I need a cuddle. Yeah. <laughs> not from you. <laughs> oh, it's so, so hard, isn't it? I find it really yeah. hard, you know, when you're supposed to, like, validate the feeling. Because sometimes I'm, yeah. when I'm saying, I can see you're feeling really, really sad and cross right now because... And then you say the most ridiculous thing, like, because yeah. the sky is blue... But yeah. that's just the way it is. <laughs> and, <laughs> and there's nothing I can do about that. It's okay to be sad. <laughs> oh, you gosh. just think, oh my God, why am I even justifying this? <laughs> yeah. Why am I bargaining with a three-year-old? Like, why? About a car park. But, you know. Yeah. Gonna, yeah. But <gasps> um, we're going to do an episode soon, aren't we, on on toddlers. Yeah, we yes, are. the joys. So. <laughs> so we should probably get into this week's yeah. episode. And this week we have the amazing Caitlin back with us, who did an awesome episode yeah. with us on periods a while ago. And so many of you messaged us to say um, how helpful it was. And we absolutely love chatting with Caitlin. So we have her back on today to chat about contraception, which was an brilliant chat and yeah. I really am so excited to share it with all of you so we should get straight into it. This week the amazing Dr. Caitlin Northern has agreed to come back on to talk to us about contraception. This may seem a little bit strange considering this is a baby and parenting podcast but I can tell you all firsthand that my body can definitely not handle any more back-to-back pregnancies. <laughs> Caitlin is a GP and partner in a practice in Napier with a postgraduate certificate in women's health. Caitlin previously shared her knowledge with us on periods and how these can change after pregnancy, so be sure to have a listen to that episode if you haven't already. Thanks so much for agreeing to chat with us again, Caitlin. It's nice that you've come back. Um, Now, I managed that we could talk for weeks about all things contraception, so let's just jump straight into it. Would you be able to tell us... um, about the different options there are for contraception out there. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess I'll start with the pill because that's probably the one that gets prescribed the most Mm -hmm. often and maybe one that people are already a little bit familiar with. 
So the pill's really good because it's easy to start and stop. If you think that you might only need something for a few months, then it's great because you can just go on it for a few months, go off it again, and there don't tend to be too many issues with doing that. It's 99% effective as long as you take it correctly. And actually the definition recently of, of taking of how to take it or how to take it correctly has kind of changed a little bit. So it used to always be that we would tell people to take it as, as the packet is. So you've got your three weeks worth of active pills and your one week of inactive pills or placebo pills that don't have any hormone in them and people would just work their way through the packet. But now... Um, we actually recommend that people usually skip those sugar pills and just take the active hormone pills the whole time. Mm. And the big advantage of that is that, one, you don't have to have the bleeds, um, which are not periods. People think of them as periods, but you don't actually have that underlying building up of the lining of the uterus like you would if you weren't on any contraception. So there's no issue with skipping those bleeds except that you don't have to deal with them, which is a bonus. Mm. And it means that you're a lot yeah. less likely to ovulate if you're taking the active mm. pills every day. And if you were to miss the occasional pill, obviously you don't want to, but if you were going to miss the occasional pill, then usually that's totally fine if you've been taking it, been taking the active pills every day. So taking like... So you now run your pill packs together? Absolutely. That's yep. now what happens? Yep. Wow. They can, yeah, they, sometimes people will find that they can only do that for a few months in a row before they do start getting a little bit of spotting. So it can take a little bit of trial and error and definitely it's something for people to work with their own GP on because sometimes yeah. we do need to tailor it a little bit. But we're definitely finding mm. that that way of taking it works a lot better for people and means that it's a lot more effective as a contraceptive. It's so interesting. I feel like in high school... Or, you know, early days at uni, if anyone oh. did that, people would be like, that's so bad. You shouldn't be skipping your periods. Make sure you yes. yep. make sure you have yep. it. It was like a big no-no. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and I or still... people would say you're building yeah. it up. Like you're yeah. Yeah. Up yeah. No, and and people picture one. that happening, yeah, that it's building yeah. up. And I definitely find that often when I'm talking to teenagers about how to take the pill... And I explain that part. The teenager's like, oh, yes, I don't have to have periods. But mum's sitting there yeah. looking really, really concerned and saying, oh, no, I don't think that that's very healthy. And so usually it's actually reassuring the mums that it's, that it's fine yeah. to do that. With the pill, there's, isn't there one that's like a, is it progesterone only one in a... Yeah, so... Like a mini pill. Yeah, so when I'm talking about the pill, sorry, I should have said I'm talking about the combined contraceptive right. pill, which is the... Right. which has estrogen and progesterone in it. It's the only contraceptive that we do that has both of those hormones in it. Pretty much all of right. the other ones are just progesterone. Right. Because right. it's got... So what kind of brand names are those? So that would like be something like Levlin, Monofem, okay. um, Norriman, Jeanette. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the side effects that you can cool. you can think of with, with the combined pill are a little bit like pregnancy. So swollen breasts, bloating, sometimes a bit of nausea. Those would be the most common ones that people get with, with the pill. Hmm. Um, tends to be quite good for people's skin, especially some pills are better for your skin than others. There's, some people get concerned about it increasing your cancer risk, and it does slightly increase your risk of some cancers, 
but it significantly lowers the risk of some other cancers. So actually, overall, your risk of getting cancer in your lifetime is lower if you've been on the pill. Interesting. Oh, wow. That's really good to know. And there are some people that can't take the pill because of the estrogen in it. So people who are smokers or who have quite a high BMI um, or family history of blood clots can't take the pill and that's when we need to look at progesterone only contraceptives okay so some of the other contraceptives that people can use are things like the progesterone only pill or mini pill so is that what you're given often when you're breastfeeding yes yeah that's right ah okay so um there's actually two different types of progesterone only pills And my favourite one is is one called Cerazet, which is a slightly different type Mm. of progesterone. And it actually has a much, I guess, stronger effect on the body. Unfortunately, Cerazet's not fully funded, so you tend to pay about $15 a month for it. But if people can afford to pay that, then it's actually a much better option. With the standard mini pill, you've only got a two-hour window each day in which you can Mm -hmm. take it. And if you're outside that window, then you have to, you know, use condoms or something for a couple of days. (sighs) But with Cerazet, you've got a 12-hour window in which to take it. So it makes it a lot easier. Oh, wow. That's great. I'm so bad at taking that (laughs) mini pill in the two-hour window. I was like... I'm just going to give up because I just can't no, do it. life's chaotic <laughs> enough. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and honestly. Like, my alarm was just going off at the worst times, like bedtime or like, mm, yeah, it's just ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. So. And, and because you've got that, because of the way that it works and with having that longer window in which to take it, it means that it is more effective as well. And also a lot of people don't have any periods on right. it. Whereas with the standard mini right. pill, mm-hmm. especially if you weren't breastfeeding, you can often have quite irregular bleeding and that can be really, really annoying for people. So if you want that one, you just you just say to your GP, like I've heard that says mm. it's yeah, absolutely. You know, a great one that I'd quite like to have. And then they just, they'll just give it to you, but you have to pay yeah. the... Yeah, you just have to pay at the pharmacy. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. gosh, that's so, so why would you be given... Um, like the mini pill over the regular pill if you haven't got any of those risk factors is it just for funding reasons or usually if everything else was equal then you would be offered the combined pill first breastfeeding can be one reason why you might be offered the mini pill instead but yeah, certainly the funding between the two of them is exactly the same. So otherwise, if oh, you're allowed okay. to have the pill, then then there shouldn't the standard pill. Then there shouldn't be any reason to not be offered that as well. But can you not take the standard pill if you're breastfeeding, or are you just better to take the mini pill? So it's a it's a bit of a debated area, and the research there is really mixed. So there was there was a big review by the Cochrane Collaboration which is considered one of the highest forms of evidence and that suggested that there wasn't any effect on breastfeeding from the combined pill but also when they've done some other studies they have shown that there's a drop in supply and certainly kind of anecdotally talking to people a lot of people will notice that there seems to be a drop in their breast milk supply when they go on the combined pill so sometimes it's sometimes it's worth the risk like if if you've tried every other contraceptive under the sun and you've got a really good breast milk supply or you're not breastfeeding 
then definitely that can be the best option. But if you're someone who's ever had issues with low supply before, or perhaps you're still establishing your breastfeeding, or you've got you've got twins or triplets, then those people definitely shouldn't go on the combined pill because it, it's just not worth the risk. We've got plenty of other options mm. that that are perfectly safe and that we know don't affect your supply. Okay. Gosh, I feel like when you first go on contraception you don't get this overview of what's available to you in that detail you just kind of get handed one yeah, and yeah. told the side effects of that and then you go but it's so helpful hearing what all the options are so you can have a bit more yeah yeah and there's um, so there are so like many options yeah and I yeah. think that mm. you know I see a bit of controversy around the pill on social media and I think maybe part of it mm. is that you know and it's I think that sometimes doctors have been to blame here is that we are quite quick to just offer the pill as, as the first the first option because there's if someone comes in in a 15 minute appointment to talk about contraception there is just so much to cover and you can't yeah. possibly cover it all in 15 minutes and start someone on a contraceptive and explain how to take it and write out the prescription and do your notes and all the other things that you've got to do so I think sometimes mm. you do end up or in the past people have ended up taking shortcuts and so you do just end up on the pill without knowing about the other options also Mm. a lot of the guidelines in the past did suggest the pill as as the main option for people and we wouldn't really offer other things to teenagers especially or young people it was just considered the best practice to give people the pill the combined pill mm-hmm. whereas now there's there's definitely more in the guidelines to suggest that we should be offering all these other things including the longer term options that are fit and forget for five years or even 10 years so what are some of those options mm. so i mentioned in the previous episode that the marina is my personal favorite I actually had a marina for five years myself, so I've got personal experience with it. Yeah, I think they're great. So it's a little device that sits inside the uterus which releases a small amount of progesterone. It's equivalent to taking too many pills a week, so it's a really low level of progesterone. A little bit of so a little bit is getting into the bloodstream, but for the most part it works just by the progesterone travelling directly to the ovaries and directly to the lining of the uterus and thinning the lining of the uterus and for a lot of people stopping ovulating as well. It's 99.9% effective, which is as good as having your tubes tight. But as soon as you want to get pregnant again or, you know, if you decided that you didn't like it, it's easy as to take out. It takes less than five minutes to remove and within a couple of months, you're basically back to your full fertility again. So, yeah, so that makes it a great option. Yeah, so why wouldn't you get it? (laughs) A lot of people are freaked out by the idea of having something put into their uterus, which, you know, I can understand it. It's it's a bit squeamish, and it definitely can be a bit crampy for people, but there are things that we can do to help that and to make it a more comfortable process. Taking painkillers beforehand, good distraction while you're doing it, sometimes even using a little bit of anaesthetic to help um, just around the cervix all of those things are really helpful so mm-hmm. usually usually we can make it happen and especially for women who've who've had a baby um, you if the baby was delivered vaginally but even even if you've had a cesarean section that can actually make it a bit easier as well if the cervix is, has opened mm-hmm. up before for a baby then we definitely find that having a marina or a, or a copper IUD put in 
is much more comfortable than for people who haven't. It have just baby. slips on in there, bit looser. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> oh. Is it true that you can get that in the hospital just after you've delivered? Yes. Wow. Yeah, so there are two kind of windows with with the marina or with IUDs. So the first window is within the first 48 hours of giving birth. So it can be put mm-hmm. in at the time of a caesarean section or if you've given birth vaginally, then it can be put in straight afterwards. Or mm-hmm. if you miss that 48-hour window, then you can have it done from six weeks onwards. I just can't even imagine okay. thinking about that mm-hmm. straight after giving birth. Oh. Really? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Were you not like, no. gosh, that was painful? <laughs> Maybe the next two days. Yeah, yeah, true. I mean, for most women, there's... For most people, there's no need to have it done straight away mm, anyway. Yeah. But it can be pretty convenient for people yeah. who live really rurally or something, for instance. Mm-hmm. If it's difficult to access healthcare, then that can be really helpful for people to just get it sorted. And I guess after giving birth, that's probably nothing, yeah. isn't it? You know, yeah. just get it done. Yeah, no, you wouldn't even know about yeah. <laughs> giving birth, I don't think. No. Yeah, absolutely. And then, oh, so yes. what's the rod? Is that... So the rod is, I guess, kind of similar to the marina in that it's a low dose of progesterone that just gets continuously released. It's The one that we have here is called JDAL, and it's it's two rods, whereas the one that they have in the UK is, is one rod, I believe, and it's called Implanon. The, I don't tend to really recommend the rod very much to people unless it's someone who does want that long-term contraceptive but isn't interested in an IUD for whatever reason because I do find that a lot of people have quite annoying bleeding with the rod and that seems to happen a lot more often than it does with most of the other contraceptives and they're not always very easy to take out. Where do they go? So they go just on the inside of your upper arm, just, just behind the biceps muscle. And they're oh. quite, they're and quite you, long, they're, aren't they? Like they? Yeah, each rod is about the size of a matchstick, and they're made out of flexible silicon stuff, wow. so what? you can feel them. You shouldn't be able to see them, but you can feel them underneath the skin wow. when you touch when you touch your arm. Oh. And how do you get them in? Oh. So we, we put them in by just doing a really small little cut. It's, it's only about half a centimetre long, and then we have a special device that we use that burrows underneath the skin I think the word burrow like burrows under the skin just makes it even worse yeah it's not something that you oh want my to gosh. watch having done to you no I wouldn't recommend watching oh, oh my goodness especially but some people yeah. find them really good yeah baffling I so say what else is there so that covers most of the hormonal yep. options. The other okay. hormonal option would be the injection, the Depo Provera. Oh yeah. Um, but often that's not something that's a very good option for between babies because it takes a long time to get out of your system. Oh okay. But some people do find that that works mm-hmm. really well because you know you just go to the medical centre once every three months, have an injection that's done and dusted. Mm. Some of the other non-hormonal options that people can look at. One is the copper IUD. Mm. So similar to the marina, but it's got copper rather than progesterone. And it just works by being poisonous to sperm so that Mm. the sperm will die as soon as they get into the uterus. It's not good for anyone with heavy or painful periods because it tends to make your periods worse. Whereas the marina will make your periods significantly better for most people. Mm. 
but some people are really keen on not having any external hormones and for those people the copper IUD can be really good because it's also 99.9% effective right yeah that's pretty good isn't it Mm. whenever you say these I just picture Ross in Friends when he's like condoms are only 97% effective (laughs) (laughs) yeah condoms are good for preventing STIs but I definitely wouldn't recommend them for preventing pregnancy long term (laughs) oh really it can be as low as 90% Mm. effective for condoms wow Why why is that I think I think a lot of it is that um, sometimes people don't put them on soon enough or it could rip or perhaps it's not quite the right size or sometimes people just forget to use them. Yeah. <laughs> they realise afterwards. Yeah. Or it's expired, you know, all sorts of reasons. Yeah, that's but true. definitely the studies show that in real life they're they're only about ninety percent effective. Gosh. No wonder Rachel got pregnant. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> the other the other non-hormonal option that I think is really important to talk about is the fertility awareness method. Mm. So that's, and I guess it's also really important to point out, which we I did touch on a little bit in the periods episode, is that that's really different to the rhythm method, which is just you using an app or using the timing of your cycle to work out when you're fertile. And as we talked about in the previous episode, that's because there's such a variation in terms of when people actually ovulate in their cycle. Mm-hmm. So the fertility awareness method involves using using at least two different biological features of your body to try and work out when you're actually fertile. Right. And probably the two most common things that people would use would be your cervical mucus, mm. which is basically your discharge and using your temperature checked first thing in the morning. But there are other things that people can can test as well. And sometimes people will do more than two different things to try and make sure that they're getting it as accurate as possible. Right. Actually, if you're doing that well, then it can be a really, really effective method of contraception. And that can really suit some people if you don't want any external hormones or if you think that you might want to get pregnant for the first time or get pregnant again sometime in the near future it can be really helpful to get a sense of when you're ovulating mm-hmm. and then you're able to use that information mm. so is that an app that you get for that or you just mm-hmm. do it in a diary at i home? would if people are wanting to get into it then i would really recommend reading the book taking charge of your fertility okay which is it's a really old book but it's really good and it goes into all of the detail about how to actually do the method well mm-hmm. there's also coaches around who you can do sessions with these coaches and they'll tell talk you through how to how to monitor your cycles and when you can safely have sex when you shouldn't have sex because so it's really important that when you're in your fertile window if you're doing this method properly, you actually don't have sex during that fertile window. Right. Some people use this method and they'll use condoms using their fer- during their fertile window, but that's not using fertility awareness. That's using condoms. Right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so you've still got you've still got your ten percent failure rate with the condoms if you're using a condom when you're fertile. Yeah. Ah. Gosh. There, yeah. There are so many options out there, aren't there? Yeah. Yeah. So many options. Mm. One thing we know lots of people worry about when it comes to contraception, including ourselves, is the effect on fertility. 
what do we need to consider if we are thinking of starting a family? So I think the really important thing to say is that none of the contraceptives have any permanent effect on your fertility. Mm-hmm. So that's something that I definitely see a lot from my patients is that people are really worried that, you know, if they've been on the pill for, say, 10 years, that, that that's going to permanently reduce their fertility. But that's absolutely not the case. But there's definitely a period after coming off various different contraception where you are less Mm. fertile. Mm. And so it's really good to be planning in advance about when you'd like to get pregnant and then when you'd like to stop those contraceptives so that they can get out of your system. Right. The ones that come out of your system the most quickly are the marina, the pill and the mini pill. So all of those are out of your system within kind of two or three cycles and and often, I mean, you're, you're actually fairly fertile even that first cycle after coming mm-hmm. off them. And lots of people will get pregnant that first cycle after stopping them. But after two or three cycles, you're back to your full fertility. Whereas something like the injection, the Depo-Provera, that can take up to six to nine months for it to fully get wow. out of your system. So, yeah, definitely not one to be on if you think you might want to get mm-hmm. pregnant soon. Yeah. Mm. Mm, gosh, yeah. So the pill does seem to get a lot of stick online, which you said before in social media and things. What? Why do you think this is? And should should we be wary about taking any of the pills? I think a lot of it. Um, I think a lot of it comes down to the fact that so many people are on the pill, mm. and also people are on it at a really defining part of their life where lots of things are changing anyway and so it can be really really hard to work out if something's changed say you know you've developed depression or your mental health has changed it can be really difficult to work out whether that's the pill or whether it's all these other factors that might be going on like leaving school going to uni getting married all of that sort of thing and so sometimes I think that the pill might be unfairly blamed for some for symptoms that people have noticed but also I think that it's really difficult for us to study every single one of the effects that the pill mm. might have on someone and so there probably are all sorts of different effects that that it has on us that we that we can't really study or that we can't quantify using research because it's not really ethical these days for us to to randomly put people on the pill or not on the Mm. pill and have people not know whether they're on the pill or not Mm. on the pill so it does make it really really hard to research Mm. I guess my advice to people would be that if you do think that the pill might might be interfering with your mental health or with your relationship or anything like that then to just have a go at coming off it and see what happens Mm -hmm. because I've certainly heard anecdotally that a lot of people who have been on the pill for a really long period of time do notice that they feel a lot better off the pill right and I don't know if we know why necessarily why that is but obviously it is affecting your hormones I guess the other side of it is to reassure people though that you're not doing any damage to your body by being on the pill for a long time. Like I said, it doesn't affect your fertility. Your overall cancer risk is lower. I remember seeing a study once which looked at your overall risk of dying, and, and that was lower as well with being on the pill. Wow. So okay. it's it's not a yeah. So it's not a, it's not a dangerous medication, mm. but it is a it's a common medication. It's one that people spend a lot of time on. So 
you know, it is something to just keep in mind. Mm-hmm. Mm. Thank you for that. Yeah. Um, now, talking postpartum, obviously we're all, all four of us are postpartum. Mm. Um, and Marley and I, we're both breastfeeding and both are yet to have our periods back. Could you just tell us, and I'm sure there's listeners as well, is breastfeeding a good contraception method? Yes, surprisingly mm-hmm. it is. There's a lot of, there are a lot of caveats to that, so you've got to meet some criteria for it to be effective, but actually if you're meeting those criteria, then it can be 98, 99, oh. even higher effective Oh, wow. Percent, sorry. 98, Maybe I'll just keep breastfeeding yeah. until Layla turns yeah. like 10. <laughs> no. <laughs> wait, wait for the condition. What are the criteria? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so the way that it works is that the, the prolactin, which is the hormone that drives breastfeeding, suppresses ovulation. The, the criteria are that you have to be exclusively breastfeeding. So that means no formula, no solids. Baby is having only breast oh. milk. Uh, Damn. We're past that now. Yeah. <laughs> Got it. Yeah. Um, you have to be feeding the baby on cue, so not trying to delay the times between your feeds or sticking to a four-hour feeding schedule or anything like that. You're feeding the baby when, whenever the baby wants to be fed. And usually that ends up being a lot more, co- lot more often than mm. every four hours. Pumping can count, but people do just need to be a little bit careful if they're exclusively pumping or if they're increasing the amount of pumping that they're doing because the intensity of the suction on the nipples is what really makes a difference with this method. And because pumps are not sucking as strongly on your nipples as a baby does, um, that can mean that this method doesn't end up being as effective for contraception. Right. Um, as I mentioned before the baby needs to be feeding quite regularly so as a general guide they need to be feeding at least every four hours during the day and at least every six hours overnight but basically the more often the better Uh, you need to be a bit aware of dummies as well so if if you're just giving a dummy sometimes for comfort but you're still breastfeeding whenever the baby wants to be fed then that's fine but if you're using a dummy to actually space out the feeds overnight then that can that can cause you to mm-hmm. run into issues you can't have your period back yet so I mentioned in the previous episode that any bleeding in the first eight weeks is not considered a period but any bleeding that you have after that eight weeks you should think of it as a period and consider that it's not effective contraception mm-hmm. anymore. Okay. It's also got to be within the first six months of the baby's life. And that's basically just because we tend to introduce solids mm. from six mm. months onwards. So you then don't tend to be meeting that exclusive breastfeeding criteria. Yeah. But they have done studies in some other countries, in poorer countries, where people will still do a lot of breastfeeding even after the six-month marker and actually if you're still doing lots and lots of breastfeeding after six months or you know close to as often as you were before the six month mark then it still can be an effective method but in New Zealand we definitely wouldn't recommend that people rely on it after after the six month mark. Guys you're both over it sorry about that. Yeah we are. (laughs) Um, What can we use postpartum then um in terms of contraception 
So the only one that we that we really want to avoid, especially within the first three weeks, but for most people within the first six to eight weeks, is the combined pill. Okay. And that's because childbirth increases your risk of having a blood clot. Imagine, sorry, I'm sure people do, but imagine having sex three weeks postpartum. Like, do people actually, <laughs> people do that? Surely not. Apparently. Oh. <laughs> Find these people. Yeah, good. I mean, good on them, but that was not me. <laughs> no. Yeah, they must have unicorn babies. Yes. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Yeah, so so childbirth is a little bit like a like having an operation where even if you've given birth vaginally, it's a little bit like having an operation where you do have a higher risk of having a blood clot mm. for those first six to eight weeks afterwards. And because the pill also increases your risk of blood clots, we definitely don't want to give anyone the pill during that okay. that first period. After that, if you know we talked about the breastfeeding before so if you've got a really well established supply or you're not breastfeeding or you're just really keen to go on the pill then you certainly can go on it at that point um other options that people can go on though would be something like the mini pill which is really safe and doesn't affect breastfeeding or you could look at having a marina or something put in or some people might even look at combining the um fertility awareness method with lactational amenorrhea which is which is breastfeeding Mm. yeah but if you were going to do that i think that you would definitely want to be very careful about how you would you were doing it because that can get a bit complicated so there are actually lots of options for you when you're breastfeeding i always just thought you were really limited but you're not at all are you really yeah no yeah pretty much Mm. everything okay great gosh we're learning so much yeah so much (laughs) good (laughs) um so once you've decided that you are done and dusted with children and for whatever reason you don't want to have um any more or you don't want to have them in the first place what are your best options for long-term contraception Probably the best option is to send your send your husband or, or male partner to the doctor yeah. <laughs> and tell him that it's his job to be yeah. to be in charge of the contraception from now on. Yes, um, vasectomies are, are much easier to access generally than tubal ligations, which okay. is the female version of that. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, in in a lot of areas of New Zealand vasectomies aren't funded, so it's something that people might have to pay for mm-hmm. themselves. But you're usually not looking at at vast sums of money. You might own, you know, less than a thousand dollars. So, even though that is quite a lot of money to pay all in one go, it's definitely definitely cheaper than another child, but cheaper <laughs> than you know, potentially than having several IUDs put yeah, in yeah. over time and that sort of thing. So that can that can be quite a good option. Mm. Having your tubes tied is something that might be offered if you're having a caesarean section Mm. for your last baby but usually is not something that's very easy to get outside of that context so yeah some some people will be able to get one if for instance you've not been able to tolerate any other contraceptive Mm -hmm. then your gp might be successful in in referring you to get a tubal ligation but yeah, they're pretty difficult to access unless you've got private health insurance or something. Right. So actually the marina again is something yeah. that I would highly recommend for this situation because yeah, you can have it put in, it lasts lasts for five years. 
99.9% effective and then at the five year mark when it's due to be replaced you just go in and it's basically the same procedure as having it put in for the first time you just have it replaced with a new one and you can just keep doing that every five years until you go through menopause and it has so many other advantages as well in terms of managing your periods making them making them often less heavy less painful about half of people don't even have a period on it which is great so good okay gosh you've convinced us sign everyone up <laughs> definitely yeah most most female doctors i know have have a marina yeah. or, or have had one at some point they're great yeah clearly a reason for it though isn't there? yeah mm. yeah no it's, and and thank goodness they're funded now because up, up until a few years ago they weren't and people had to pay about 350 dollars for the device oh, wow now the device is funded but you'll often still have to pay to have it inserted. And is that just a standard consultation fee? No, often because it takes it's it's a half hour appointment right. to have it done and it's something that not every GP can do. Right. So usually it will be a bit more expensive. Okay. At my practice it's $170. But some people will qualify for funding for that. Mm-hmm. So for instance if you're Māori or if you're a Pacific Islander um, if you're living in certain areas, um, then you can qualify okay. for funding. Or, or community services card, for instance, mm. you can qualify for funding to have it put in. Mm. 170 over the course of five years probably works out than if you were keep going for repeat prescriptions or mm. if you're having to... Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And especially if you don't have periods, then you're saving money on not having to buy pads and tampons yeah, and true, things as well. True. True. So do you think that's why it's perhaps become more popular as well because it is now funded definitely yeah yeah Yeah, i think it's made a huge difference yeah that's really good yeah Um, great thanks so much caitlin so as you know we like to end each episode by asking our guest one parenting item they couldn't live without um you already shared with us last time that that was your pram but as a doctor what is the one thing you recommend all parents have at home I think you're going to be surprised by this answer because there's actually, in terms of medical things, I really don't think that there's anything extra that people need. We don't have a thermometer at home. I don't think that people necessarily need to have a baby thermometer or anything like that. Um, Having a bottle of Pamol in the fridge is always good. Oh, gosh, it's great. Other than that, I really, yeah, I really don't think that there's anything special that people need. I think that your parental instincts are so much more important mm. than, than having thermometers and all that sort of thing. Actually, medically, the item that I would recommend to pe- people to have is a comfy mat for the floor. <laughs> <laughs> ah. <laughs> so I've, I've got this mat that I just think is the best thing ever. It's like a, one of those waterproof, cushioned, large play mats. Yeah. Um, I got mine off a website called called Lux at Play, but there's lots of other websites that do them. There's Rugabub, there's Softly Summer, um, Wriggle Crew is, is oh, one yeah. of the New Zealand ones. Kmart's also just brought out some of them that are really similar. Or there's those old school um, foam tiles. Yeah. 
I think that that's the thing that everyone should get because it's gonna save it's gonna save you because you spend so much time down on the floor with your baby that you feel so much more comfortable being down there. But also, I think that that's one of the most important things for babies to develop as well is just having that time down on the floor playing, mm. doing tummy time, just being able to move freely. Yeah. Um, without being in containers as much as I love my baby Bjorn Bouncer um, I think you know it's so important for them to just yeah. be on the floor playing as well so oh yeah, that's yeah. great oh, I tell everyone yeah, to get one of these yeah, 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 I love really that one <laughs> love yeah. it oh, thank you so much for sharing that's you've yeah you've really me. taught us so much about contraception which it's crazy that we don't know these things already when you know, We're two kids down. A, two kids down and been on contraception for years and years, you know, if not decade. That it's just nuts that this information isn't easily accessible, I think. Until now. Yeah, well if I, if only if only I had this this much time in every consultation yeah. with a patient to talk it all oh, through. Totally. Absolutely. Yeah, thank you so, so much yeah, for giving us you your so time. Much. Especially with the yes. wee three month old archer as well. We so appreciate it. No problem. Yeah. And if anyone wants to ask you any questions, are they able to over Instagram or? Yes. Yeah, sure. I I can't give personalised yeah. medical advice, but I'm definitely happy for people to, you know, message me any questions. Yeah. Thank you so much. And um, yeah, hopefully we'll get you on again soon, I'm sure, for something else. <laughs> yeah, sounds great. I'd love to. Thank great. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed that episode. Um, if you did, you would really appreciate it if you could like or subscribe um, wherever you listen and you can also find us on instagram at parentpod.nz we hope you have a great week see you next week bye